that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the towers of bookmakers.co.uk. And as a normal, I am joined by Demo Norman. Demo. Hello, Dino. How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good. You're not setting the internet alight with any columns this week? No, no, no. I, I was going to write another Briny piece because of the, the reaction, the ongoing reaction. But even I was getting bored of myself talking about uh, that, that case. So... I left it alone this week, you know. There's been nothing good to come out of it, really. It seems like we're going to get some kind of um, I don't know, panels set up to go through and work out weighing room intricacies and all that kind of stuff. But everything was in order if you spoke to them two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, that should, should be fun. Let's move on from there. Darren Hughes is back. Darren, how are you? Afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad hanging in there. Hoping to back a few winners this weekend. I hope so, too. You were very good last time you were on the podcast. So, uh, listeners will be waiting in great expectation. Now... There is um, a great bit of news, and we've been waiting for this to happen for a long time, uh, several years, I might uh, suggest. But uh, Simon Holden, Fry Boy, uh, the lead tipster on bookmakers.co.uk, has joined us on the podcast, formerly of the BBC radio uh, correspondent, um, odds compile, all sorts of different things. But what he is, is an expert judge of horse form. Uh, Simon, Fry Boy, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, great to be on the show at last. Uh, hello to listeners and and. Good to catch up with you, Dermo, again. And first time I think I've spoken with Darren. So, hi, Darren. Yeah, nice to meet you too, um, Simon. Absolutely. Last time, see, we can't do this all together anymore because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. So there was no, there was never any harm of getting us all in the same room, which wouldn't be COVID compliant. But last time we saw um, Fryboy was on the race course at Cheltenham. And I have to say, uh, Simon, I was not in the best of uh, Nick that day. It wasn't day one. And generally, my health deteriorates as the week goes by. Um, and that was with, of course, Mr. Weldon, who's not on the pod this week, and Demo himself. So it's good to have you back, at least in audio format today. It's so great crack- to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Right, let's crack on. Um, we don't normally on the race hour do a, um, a kind of weekend review or weekly review anymore. But we do catch up about things that, uh, let's say, bugged our, um, our brains. Any eye catchers from the week? Demo, I'll let you have first crack at this. Um, I've got a few things to say, but you can go first. Yeah, of course. Um, well, the the kind of first note is Dean is that because uh, I'm just watching uh, Gayer Demille come up the uh, the straight here in Nice. Is that the, the kind of main takeaway I've had over the last week or so? Is is it any surprise really that the Irish novice chases uh, novice chasers particularly end up in such stronger um, place coming into to Cheltenham? Like the the depth in the Irish novice chases uh, and the Gayer Demille looks looks in trouble here, but in general, the the actual strength of the races they're just so much deeper. Uh, you know, like you look at you look at what Bob Ollinger faced. You look at kind of all of these races, uh, Statler last weekend and Blue Lord, and then you compare that with what like you know, uh, my Drogo was beaten. You know, he beat a very very small field of four, a very poor race, and and you're just kind of looking at it, kind of going, these trainers in the UK can they can they can blame whatever they want or. Or they can get personal um, private detectives to start hunting down Irish trainers for doing stuff <laughs> untoward. But they have to start getting their horses, particularly their novices, into proper actual novice chases. I mean, like, Brave Man's game has been brilliant. 
absolutely faultless, but he's been faultless for the reason that he, he probably hasn't been hassled all that much. You know, he's been, like, he's beaten Fusil Raffles, brilliant horse, you know, he, he, he knocked him out of the park. Fusil Raffles was going to finish fourth in the race last weekend. But when you look at what these Irish novice chasers, like, you know, like, Statler was brilliant last weekend, I thought, Dean. But look what he learned, you know. He, like, he, he jumped within horses, he, he came through late, and he just had, had too much for them all in the end. Blue Lord was the exact same. Absolutely brilliant. I absolutely love that performance. But again, 14 ran in Blue Lord's race, 13 in Statler's race. And Statler beat Fighter Allen. Again, he's a horse that's going to leave his hurdle form way behind. That's strong form. And, like... That's one of the main reasons. Of course, uh, drugs and racing is probably a thing. We've all said this on this podcast. We we don't hide from it. But it's too easy and out for people and followers of UK racing to pin it just solely on, on something untoward when there's a very basic premise looking at them right in the face. Last season, Brave Man's game looked unbeatable and turning in at Cheltenham... Um, Gayard de Mayneil and particularly Bob Olinger went by him with relative enough ease because Brave Man's game, in my opinion, he's an excellent horse, but he didn't, he hadn't faced anything like that at all. And they have to start doing that because it's just, there's just not enough there. A 300 true five, he won a grade two last weekend. Um, mm. Really nice performance as well. He beat three runners over in the UK. He'll turn up at a festival next year. He'll be taking on Irish horses and they're just simply coming through races that is teaching them so much more. And it's such a huge thing. Keith Dunne always talked about it, that a young chaser learning to kind of go through a gap, learning to, you know, jump jump under pressure. Bob Ollinger, he beat Picardies, who jumped spectacularly that day. So it's uh, it's just a bugbear of mine that uh, they can't keep blaming everything else when it wouldn't be too hard now for the trainers to kind of sit down together and say, do you know what, we will take each other on in this kind of race. Because these Irish horses are getting out of beginner's chases with that kind of experience, Dean. I don't yeah. see how how these you how these UK horses can turn anything around when they're just not matching the experience at all. I'd, I'd throw in the fear of the handicapper in the UK. To be honest, um, he's been kind know, this it, year, though. He's kinder, that's for sure. He's definitely kinder this year. We're going to highlight a couple of them um, later on. I'd say when we look at a couple of marks that are going to appear in handicaps um, on some of some of the runners this weekend. But I, you might have used the wrong stick there with Brave Man's game to go. So I think Paul Nichols has been uh, brave. Uh, to pardon the pun. Oh no, he is that horse so far. I've... So far, but there's lots of examples, and the three under, um, three under three five was it was a good one. Although you know Emma Tom's not a bad nag back in the in that field. It's just it's just a light contest, aren't they? They are light contests. I get that. Was there an eye catcher for you at the weekend? You mentioned a couple. I was at Fairy House demo. I saw um, Statler in the flesh. I thought the the change of gear after last was very impressive. Blue Lord uh, did what was expected of it. I'll throw an eye catcher at you in the Sunday racing colours. Say what you want. Ran in the race, I think, won by Britska, also by Gordon Elliott. Um, didn't get a hard spin at all. That will be one to follow. Fell into third in the end. But go on, an eye catcher for himself. Uh, Brandy Love today as well, Dean. That looks a uh, mare's novice horse inside and out. Um, mm-hmm. She was absolutely breathtakingly good, I thought. She, she hammered the field. Now Limerick Lace ran on to be second at 66-1. But still, that, that for me was a very... Impressive performance. Uh, that Ferry House card on Saturday didn't did you got was was an excellent card. Um, I thought fighting fifth there in the handicap chase, fighting fit in the handicap chase, who finished second. He he'd be winning mm. quite soon. And another one that uh, grabbed my attention was in the maiden hurdle for a low down enough race. But simply Shabra, who finished second to High Ho Phoenix that day for Anthony McCann and Jonathan Moore. Um, Poor old Jonathan Moore just seems to have fallen off the, the face of the earth of late. 
Um, but Simply Shaver was up was very good in second. I know it's nine lengths behind, but for kind of a low down enough race, I think he'll be a horse who'll win quite soon as well. Dude. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to come to Simon Fryboy. Um, what did you make of um, some of the nags that are out the weekend? You can pick up on Dermo's point there. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned a few from Ferrier, so did he. What did you, uh, anything catch right? I thought my Drogo, actually, I might get you to kick off there, um, was, was super impressive. That horse almost doesn't know what he's doing, yet he's super. I've, I've got written down a bit dense. Yes, okay. I've, I, he's got an engine. He looks mm. like the, you know, embryonic chaser. If you're trying to build a chaser, it, you build my Drogo. Um, it just worried me that it looked like Harry Skelton and the horse maybe weren't on the same wavelength all the way around, which is understandable for a novice. Um, I didn't particularly like his fall at Cheltenham. Uh, mm. It was a very novice fall, and you'd hope he'd learn from it, but he clouted. wasn't even clouted. I think he was standing off. He was almost too brave at sort of two or three fences. He was either brilliant or it was worrying stuff and I couldn't agree more what Dermo said I think the, the problem is the Irish horses are used to racing against decent horses alongside them and I think if my Drogo goes up against you know some of these more fluent horses it may catch him out at a fence um, for various reasons I don't think what doesn't help is the fact that we can chuck novice chases and handicaps yeah so early that to me it's ridiculous and I think You've got a situation where potentially really good horses are then being campaigned against seasoned handicappers to try and take advantage of their handicap mark. I don't think that helps one bit. And again, what Derma said, Plumpton Racecourse are chucking 50 grand bonuses up to win noise chases there and then go and win any race at Cheltenham. And you end up with three runners there. And as good as For Pleasure was, and I love the horse, I think he's phenomenal ride. He's a phenomenal watch because he just takes on every fence and he goes from the front. You know, you want more than three horses turning up for Plumpton's sake, and it almost seems to happen year on year that Plumpton chuck this bonus in, and so few horses actually go and get campaigned for it, and yet trainers will moan about prize money left, right, and centre. Yeah. Um, a f- a few, a, quite a number of horses caught my eye. The Statler one, I'll plagiarise somebody else. Um, in the week I read, and I can't for the life of me remember who it is, um, it might be Tony Keenan mentioned that Statler from three out from the third fence to the last fence was quicker than Blue Lord. Um, that shouldn't happen. And if, if everybody believes Statler's a three-mile horse, ran obviously last year in the Stayers Hurdle at, at um, the Stayers Novice Hurdle at Cheltenham Festival, I'm not mm. convinced he's a real three-mile horse. I think he might end up being a two-and-a-half-mile, two-mile six, really strong run horse. I think he's potentially very, very good. I would just worry a bit whether he's going to stay at top class level over over extreme trips i think i noticed that on the day simon because when i was there obviously and the difference in him coming home to almost everything else on the card was noticeable and it looked like he wasn't he was just skipping so there's there's definitely a huge engine in there and also a lot of pace so yeah you could be and right. it, it was it was funny you, you, again watching the race back if he was novice at a couple but he was he seemed quite good he was short when he needed to be short but when he saw a stride he didn't half ping him, and, and for a novice to do that, so he's got the speed, he can jump at speed. I think it, over two and a half, you know, a real strong run, two and a half race, I think he'll put a lot of other novices in, in trouble with his jumping, and he's obviously going to have the stamina as well at the end of the race. Mm. Um, various horses caught my eye. I think at the weekend, I was extremely impressed with, although I don't think he beat 
much within turn de Sivilla, which bolted up. It pulled like a train all the way around Cheltenham in the opener and it still went away. I think the horse it bumped into um, at Warwick, one of Dan Skelton's horses um, in this world, I think that could be extremely good. The form of the race has worked out well, obviously with Intern de Civil winning at Cheltenham. The second yeah. horse was Greystone. That came out and won in the midweek as well. So that could be a good horse and one to follow. Um, away from that, Blazing Carl did extremely well for the mistake he made. And that's another horse that's learning on the job. I think that could be another one where the, the Irish horse come Cheltenham Festival, that may take some beating. Mm. And and two to keep an eye out on this side. Uh, Holly, midweek. I'm biased because I tipped it up. She is really, really good. She won a wing. impressive. Unbelievably. She, she, she took a hold, but she took a decent hold. She was traveling well. She wasn't pulling too much, but just keen enough. Um, you know, the, she travelled so well all the way through. In a, what looked a decent field beforehand, the Chris Gordon horse, Storm Dennis, had decent form and was well-backed. It sauntered past them and won by seven lengths, literally without breaking a sweat. He didn't go near the whip. Reminded me very much of Epiton. Um, she could be absolutely anything and she's definitely won wherever she goes next. I really like Holly. And one that's gone, hopefully will go under the radar for the listeners for, for future as a I am looking at handicappers and certainly won't be troubling Cheltenham Festival. There's a horse Rebecca Menzies called Sayo, which yep. ran on Saturday, was fourth or six behind um, Excitations. Fourth or six is nothing. Again, the horse travelled really well in the race. It didn't quite see the see the um, trip out. It desperately wants soft ground. Its record on soft and heavy is really good. Um, I think it's ran twice on heavy and, and won decent races both times. It normally wins around December, January time. If it comes up soft around Christmas time, definitely Sayo is a horse to keep keep on side of. Thanks, Fright. Okay, Sayo, it's almost that time of year for Sayo. Rebecca Menzies is charged to go and get the job done. And I echo all of you said about um, Holly. That does make a lot of sense. Could go anywhere. We just don't know where yet, but that was a real nice step forward. Um, I'm going to throw a few bugbears into the ring here before I come to Darren. Um, Zanza in the big handicap chase at Cheltenham um, should definitely have won. And I just think Tomas O'Brien's going to need to now decide next time he jumps up on the horse in any, any race uh, like that to go forward, stop trying to kid the horse into the race. And you know, everybody knows now, surely he's going to make a, a one or two blips, but if you have him a bit further to the pace, he would have won at the weekend. So I'm going to throw that one. Uh, into the mix. Anyone have any thoughts on that race before uh, I move on and let Darren have a go? Uh, Simon was discussing this beforehand and I agree with him. I think there's a touch of the bywises to uh, Zanza in that I think horses like him um, can, can make a fool of a jockey because um, they can just take so long to get going and especially with their, their early jumping errors can just leave a horse at a massive disadvantage in a race and I think Simon can kind of pick this up because he, he watched it back more thoroughly than I did but uh, I think there is a touch of the bywises to him, Dean, where he's just a bit hard to get into the right place, I think. Yeah, I understand that. I'm not going to disagree with you. Go on, Simon. Do you, sorry. Do you, do you know what I think you'd really benefit from? And it, it, obviously it doesn't happen over here. He'd benefit from going to France and jumping a, a practice hurdle or a practice jump before he starts because he seems to jump out the gates quite slowly and he seems to belt or make a funny shape over the first fence. It's almost like it catches him out catches him by surprise what am I doing here jumping this <laughs> and literally he's on the back foot throughout like I said 
to you before, and I, I was very critical of Tom O'Brien before, um, after the race, after watching it the first time, because I, in my head, I thought he'd had him out the back and was travelling quite well at the back and then didn't ask the question until too late. He definitely, he's one that comes on and off the snaff quite early on, and every time he sort of seems to push him and get him going again, he picks up, and then he drops it again, and I just think, couldn't agree more with Dermo with byways. He's that sort of horse, unfortunately. He'll definitely pop up. Um, it may be a flat track suiting better as well because he'd, he'd be able to get on a more even keel, hopefully, and get his jumping sorted out early. But See, that's what I think. For, I think there's overthinking in this, right? The, the horse has enough in hand, I thought, to win that race and hit a couple um, during the contest. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like tip Tomas on a, on a horse later on. Um, and I do think he's a good jockey, but this horse just needs to be shot out and and let it go. And yeah, you might come a cropper now and again, but I tell you what, you win more races than you lose doing that with this horse. But they are they are supremely um, different characters, and I, I think it's time to just let him go at it. Darren, you are up next. Um, I have one more bugbear, but I want to hear from you first. Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose I've just kind of one minor thing, and it's kind of. It's it's come up a little bit in 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 race and chat in the last week or two, but it's just it's the fixture list in Ireland has kind of bothered me over the last six or eight weeks or so. Um, I mean, a lot of horses were kind of very late coming out, particularly from the Willie Mullins yard, uh, on account of the ground being pretty quick. So just just for context, at this stage in October, Ireland had had seventeen jumps meetings. Right at this stage in November, we'd had eleven. At this stage in December, we we've had nine. Okay, the ground is infinitely more likely to be a little bit quicker in October. And I know that the Christmas festivals are coming up and it can be quite hard to back up from, let's say, the first week of December to the fourth week of December. But surely mm. it makes a little bit more sense to, not to front load the meetings in October when the ground is, is, is much likelier to be that bit quicker. Kind of summer tends to come later in the last three or four years. Uh, the ground tends to be quite quick leading right into December. It's only in the last week or two we've had any significant rain here. And even at that, the ground still isn't that bad. And, in most places but i just don't really understand why you know you're seeing a lot of horses now even today that brandy love of willie that probably would have been out last month in november you'd, you'd have thought as opposed to making its, its debut today that's probably going to be expected to back up at christmas time um fair enough and that horse will show up and i just i just don't understand why yeah wh- why why we have so few meetings at the beginning of december when the ground is more likely to be suitable for four horses yeah fair point i think Maybe this is a, 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 a legacy issue and no one's taken account of the, the kind of change in conditions that we have definitely seen over the last few years. Maybe that will happen, Darren. I'm assuming you're emailing the HRI. Uh, they, they, they have me blocked. Uh, I think I go straight uh, to spam at this point. But anyway. Fair enough. Any eye catches from the weekend, Darren? Um, nothing that wasn't covered already by you, lads. Uh, you, you gave it a fair good going over there. I'd, I'd only be repeating um, particularly what Simon said, actually. So uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Open question now, right, to the group. Has anyone that changed and downloaded the new version of the Race and Post app? <laughs> I knew old man Dean would hate any update to an app. I have uh, downloaded it today. I don't find it that terrible, to be honest. That's a that's a ringing endorsement demo. Not that terrible. <laughs> um, thanks for that, um, uh, Darren. Simon, have you have you uh, have you partaken? I haven't downloaded it yet, actually, so I don't know what. Do not. Know. I'm. There's, I, there's... Yeah, I agree. I've not done it, unfortunately. <laughs> I look. Here's my advice then to you, right? Do not wait until they spam you every single day to change it and have fixed all the bugs that they're no doubt about to be told about. It is the worst update. 
to any racing app I've ever seen. And having created some and delivered some poor apps in my time, um, I'd put this one up there. It is the clunkiest, porridgest, treacleist thing you'll ever find. Can't find what you want. Can't do what you want. It's uh, awful. And do you know what? It was awful after they got rid of the old live text updates, but it's even worse. So congratulations, Racing Post. And uh, yeah. I don't think they'll be coming on this. Podcast. Old man shakes fist at cloud, is it? Yes. Thank you very much. You can highlight my age anytime you want. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'll end on I'll end on a plus note. Plan of attack. Um, I think still remains in the notebooks for the cross country chase. Anyone who uh, saw Plan of Attack try and negotiate the weird cheese wedges and all that different oh, kind of he, stuff. But Jesus, Dean is about two stone to find out, isn't he? I mean, he's running off ten stone four. Yeah, I know it's I know it's it tougher. I don't yeah. know. To yeah. be fair, off eleven stone twelve at the festival. I don't know. I really don't. He did well not Pride to. Was gonna give me I was going to say he did, well, he did well not to slip up. I don't think I've ever seen so many horses slip in race. Yes, mm. there was, and that would be a worry of the form for me, just because so many horses slipped on different bends. Um, yeah. But That's not a ringing endorsement either. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I, for me, remains on course, firmly on course. <laughs> I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. Okay. At this point, um, we're going to take a quick break on the Race Hour podcast. When we come back, we're going to go through weekend action. Uh, Ascot and Haydock talk about anything else that catches our interest across the cards and, of course, give you the naps. And I will not let Fryboy leave this podcast on a, what is a, obviously a rare appearance without giving us some thoughts about some of the big uh, Cheltenham horses that he is already tracking because, you know, that is a bit of a theme on this podcast and uh, we need to bring it back and can't let him leave without it. So after this break, we will be back. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off of us in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk. Sponsors of the Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Darren Hughes, Simon Holden, uh, Fryboy, of course, and Dermot Nolan. And um, we're going to get stuck in now to the weekend action, Saturday's racing, of course, coming from Ascot and Haydock to kick us off. Uh, Darren, I'm going to come to you first about the 150 at Ascot. It is a handicap chase over two miles and three furlongs. And there's a JP McManus set of silks at the top of this market for John Joe Jr. and John Joe O'Neill. Uh, Palmer's Hill looks like it's going to take a fair chunk out of the market, but it's open enough. Yeah, it is. And uh, funnily enough, the one I'm actually siding with is in the same colours, but mm. not the uh, three to one favourite. I'm going to give Sully Dock another chance here. Uh, I thought he, he was primed to run a massive race at Newbury last time out uh, after a very good third, uh, funnily enough, at Ascot the week previous. But I think he might have just ran a little bit flat. The seven day turnaround might have caught him out of it. And as well as that, he made a fairly bad mistake at the A, and that seemed to take the legs out from under him. He's had three weeks to then. Like, look, it's not it's not like he's had three months off. It is only three weeks. But I just wonder if maybe the little bit of a longer break, he might come back kind of a fresher horse. The return to Ascot's probably in his favour as well. He's in around the eight to one mark. I just thought he was a, a reasonable price there. Richard McKernan wouldn't exactly inspire confidence in me now at the best of times, but I, I'm happy enough to take a chance on him at eight to one. Okay, Sully Dock AA, as I call him, which we discovered on a podcast a few weeks ago was completely incorrect. But Sully Dock for Anthony Honeyball and Richie McLennan, uh going back to the well. Well, three weeks is a long time. It was a good run before uh, behind before midnight prior to that at Ascot, as you highlighted. Fryboy, you're up 
on the 150 at Ascot? I think this race is... Do we know what the ground's going to be like at Ascot yet? Is it going to... Because I did a lot of the research thinking it's going to be soft. Or on the softer side. Soft. Because I think that will, that will make a huge difference, certainly in this race. I think if the ground's good, good to soft, I couldn't agree more with Darren. I think Sully Doc's got... He's an admirable, admirable type. He, the problem is he does need it good, good to soft. He wouldn't want it softer than good to soft. Mm. If it turned softer than that, I think there's a really, really good bet in night in Dubai. Um, the fact that he's still with the Skeltons after having time off, they must see something there. They've obviously come back with West Cork, who came back and, and won off a long break. Uh, it, he definitely is a November-December horse. Again, if, if you go back through his form, I think in December he's, he's unbeaten. Um, or I think he's, he's won twice, three times and been second the other time. He really, really wants it with cutting the ground. And the, the thing I would be against is Palmer's Hill. The horse, all its best form is going the other way around the track. He did win an Irish point at Torella, which I believe is right-handed. Um, but certainly all his rules racing, all his wins have come left-handed. That would concern me enough with the price he is to take him on. Like I said, if, if it turned out soft, I would go night in Dubai, definitely. And I would fancy him quite strongly. If it was good, good to soft, I'd fancy Sully Dock. Um, and I think it's almost between the two of those two. Okay, um, we'll keep an eye on the weather then for which way to go. Another positive note, of course, for Sully Dock, but if the rain was to come, night in Dubai for Dan and Harry Skelton. Uh, Damo, are you in this, this similar camp here? Uh, no, I, I just, there's kind of the odd occasion, Dean, you know, where you're shouting stuff at a trainer and you're kind of thinking, well, I can't know more than this trainer, but mm. I've been saying for quite a while that that horse guy needs to drop down and trip. I mean... I, you know, I like a, a travelly thing, uh, you know. Uh, uh, we all off, do. Yeah, and Guy has looked that. And the last twice at Market Raisin and Ascot, he, he's looked the winner until he's hit those last two furlongs and he's just kind of petered out. But he he was, I thought he looked really good last time. He was held up and he made really, really easy headway and then got to the last, made the mistake two out and then just seemed, seemed to tire if you go back through his runs, now it is a concern, obviously, that he's only won once, but his one win was over two miles four on good ground. Um, and that day as well, again, was just kind of went really easily altogether, but again, towards the finish, had to be rousted long. I've been thinking for a long time that this horse needs to come down and trip. He's dropping back from two miles five to two miles three. I think he's very talented. I think he's on a very good mark here, um, 10 stone seven. I like Palmer's Hill, but I think he's going to be over back here because John Joe Neal taught an awful lot an awful lot of this horse as a novice hurdler. I just don't think he's amounted to be that good. I also think the race he won last time was, was really terrible. So for me, he's one of my best bets of the weekend now. Uh, guy guy dropping back in trip. I think this is exactly what he's been screaming out for. The uh, Twist and Davis yard is in great form. And uh, Guy for me here is one of my bets of the weekend, I think. Okay, for the Twist and Davis camp, Sam and Nigel Guy is the pick for Derma. A couple of shouts for Sully Dock. And uh, night in Dubai, if the rains come, I, you know what I'm like on this podcast. And Diego Deschamps will peak my interest of 147. But I just think might need a couple more pounds before it's totally firing. If a couple were to underperform, um, I think he'd it, go close enough at Ascot, to be honest, on um, over this trip. Up a couple of furlongs as well. But I'm a bit concerned, might need a couple more pounds back. And 8-1 to one isn't what I would be looking for. Double figures now. I'd be back in Diego Deschamps in the 150 at Ascot. Um, Simon, why don't we let you go first for the 205 at Haydock? That's the Virgin Bet Handicap Hurdle, uh, two miles three, same trip as the previous race, of course. And um, 
Well, McIlduff is top of the market here. For Ollie Murphy, he's been going well. David England will ride that. And it's 4 to one Bar, I've only given you the favourite to talk about, but I'm sure you found something. I, I don't think it will start favourite, Dean. I, th- oh. I think I think Stella Magic, he's still running, isn't he, Stella Magic? He is. Yeah, Michael I, Nolan is booked up. I think Stella Magic, as long as he, <laughs> we're guessing, because of, he had a problem with his knee, which is what explains the pulled up and why he's been off for so long. Mm. Um, I think the Hobbs Yard think they've got him spot on. I am certain he's a 140-plus horse. So he's running off 133, all his form. If you go back back through his, his novice form, he beat um, the race we beat time to tinker. That's a 129 horse. Equus Dreamer was very useful. That's a 128 horse. He then bettered that again next time out. He beat Alaphilippe, who's obviously is now 141. Um, the, the well-beaten Tar Tapper, he gave the horse £9.00. Um, that's rated, I think, low 120s, maybe 118, something like that. He's a real stout stayer. My biggest problem with it would be, I think I'm sure he needs further than than today than the trip on Saturday. Mm. But Haydock never rides anything other than testing. You always need a real strong stayer at Haydock. Um, the other thing I, I definitely think is to his advantage, we were all talking about how badly the Hobbs' horses were last year and how under par they were, yet this horse still came out done the job was winning his races if that was under par i've no idea what what he could scale to as long as they can keep him sound i think stellar magic will win and i think could be a very good horse markets reacted to him being dropped up already simon of course there was bits of six to one around i think three four to one's the best about at the moment and you think he'll go off favorite so um it it shows what it shows his his, how much stamina he has got um Mm. i know not necessarily every irish point winner over three miles needs three miles Sure. He, beat, he beat a horse called Pay the Piper in his one Irish point. He beat Pay, uh, Pay the Piper. That's a 141-rated horse. Every single race he's ever ran in, he's been surrounded by horses rated 140, 128, 130, and he's been mm. beating them. I've no idea where they've come come to this mark of 133. I think, like I say, as long as they've got him straight, which I would imagine if they're going to run him on testing conditions at, at Haydock, they would have him fairly straight first time out. Otherwise, they'll lose him for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he could be very good, Dean. Love that. Stellar magic for Fryboy in the 205 at Haydock. Dermo, can you uh, can you counter this? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I, I, I can completely see that angle. Um, there's definitely there. I'm just kind of very drawn towards Little Awkward here for um, for Oliver Sherwood and Jonathan Burke. I mean, last mm-hmm. season, he just he looked to me like a typical Oliver Sherwood horse that he was going very lightly with and kind of improving quickly. Um, and this horse has has really done that. I mean, he won on debut very well, finished four to nine to any news when he just didn't quite run well, took a break, came back, be Mountain Leopard. And last time he, he was second to six at uh, Fontwell, but he just cut out towards the end. So just very interested that he's had a win, a win surgery. Very, very interested that Oliver Sherwood goes here to this kind of race with him of a mark of 127. Um, and I think there's an awful lot more. This to me screams out as an Oliver Sherwood fast improver that uh, he kind of goes to war with. I'm a massive fan of this yard, as listeners will know, because he goes very slowly and then bang, he tends to really target one. I think this horse is a good deal better than this mark. I think the wind operation will will make a big difference. Uh, the jockey, Jonathan Burke, it's great to see him. He's really flying again. Uh, Jonathan Burke had a long road back from getting that um, that big job that time uh, with mm. the sizing Europe owners. I forget the name of them again. Um, yeah, the, you know, uh, kind of a long road back to get 
here again. That was a big job to get so young, and it, it just kind of struggled there afterwards. But he's really flying again, and Oliver Sherwood, he's just a masterful trainer. So I think a little awkward for me, Dean. Um, I'm, I really like him, and I just think uh, off that mark, he's, he's potentially thrown in. Little awkward then for Oliver Sherwood, Jonathan Burt for demo. Darren, you are up now. You're also on mute. My bad. Apologies. Uh, that's <laughs> my fault. Trying to, trying to, we so don't I'm cut not... that out either, Darren. So now no, you're stuck you can with leave that. it in. You can yeah, leave it in. I didn't want to be coughing over the lads. That's all. Um, no, I couldn't be more with Simon. Really couldn't be more with Simon. Uh, I was absolutely convinced that Stellar Magic would make up into a, a graded hurdler last year. Obviously, as, as Simon um, said, there was something to miss last February. It was a, a, a knee issue. Uh, the only slight, and I mean this is a slight concern that I have, is the Philip Hobbs yard after a brilliant start of the year has slightly gone off the boil in recent weeks. Mm. They're only two for 44. Now, he's had three horses today that have run very well. They've gone close. And if Zanzer had right. got a proper ride at the weekend, Darren, they would have won the big race on the telly box. Like, and there you helped. go. And no one would question the form of the yard at all. Do you know what I mean? If they, if they had the big Saturday winner. So I'm happy to leave that um, or to, to, to not let that put me off too much. I'd be absolutely shocked this horse isn't better than 133. And I mean absolutely shocked. I think he could have anywhere up to 15, 16, 17 pound in hand at some point, And I'd be sincerely hoping that it's this Saturday. So very much in the Stella Magic camp here for all of it's a little bit boring to tip the 10 to 3 joint favourite. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I made the mistake of highlighting Makwadoff's absolute shortest price, but that's also where the biggest price is around for Stella Magic. So uh, I think... Uh, Freiburg could be right. This could be going off favourite. You're rowing in behind it. A little awkward for Demo. Um, I was going to get, well, I wasn't going to tip it at all, but I was going to say how fascinating it was to see Angola uh, line up for Anne Duffield and Kevin Brogan, of course, now moved over from Willie Mullins. Um, and first run for them. So that should be fascinating. Number two on the card, Angola, uh, will be a big price. Um, do keep an eye on it, but it's definitely not a tip. I'll be rowing in with the boys, I think, on Stellar Magic, having heard the cases made for it. Um, Demo, why don't I come to you first on. Um, on the, the 225 at Ascot, of course. You know what, the, Dean? The we should lo- probably start with you here, actually, Dean. I'll be the host for a second. Um, so, so Dean, Time Hill. We've, we've, yeah. we've heard all year about you and Time Hill. Does he win and how far? Uh, he wins, yeah. Um, the, the one, I mean, if he hadn't gone to France, um, I think he'd be quite a short price for this, regardless of what Buzz did the last day. But he did go to France. So maybe, um, you know, Simon was saying that maybe they should send Zanza over there where it can jump a, a fence before it races. I mean, at the time, it looked like it never seen a fence in its life when it went to France. So that was very disappointing. Um, I've, I've got a few things to say about this. Um, I don't know there's a horse in here that can live with Time Hill if he's um, improving as he should be as a seven-year-old, if that French one hasn't taken what it's taken out of him. And I think he's, he's far better than Paisley Park now. Paisley Park isn't quite what he was previously when they duelled off the one horse that worries me a little bit is champ reverting back to hurdles so i would be a little bit scared of champ with all his engine in his class but for a nine-year-old and his career's gone up and down and back and forward and sideways sometimes um, i'm fascinated by time hill i actually think the best bet is the eight to one for the stayers but he's 11 to four or so to win this and you can just bet on both and I'll collect both times does that help <laughs> thanks dean yeah no i think you're doing ronald pump a small bit of a disservice there um I think Ronald Pump is a great each-way bet here. I think Time Hill, I would imagine Hobbs and uh, Connections would be happy enough here now with a very good second as in going forward. Like, I still think, Dean, he, he's... I, I'm i a big fan of him for the Stayers Hurdle. I just think after France now, like, a very strong showing, strong finish would be a, a kind of a good sign of this here for him. Um, and If he like, does that, they will win. So that should be enough. But go on. That's potential. But 
I think Ronald Pump doesn't get the praise that he deserves for like how solid this horse has been. I mean, like last season at Punchestown, I just read an article there before this. Um, Matthew Smith was saying like that you know the inflammation in his foot that ruled him out of Cheltenham last year. Uh, that came back the week before Punchestown, but he just kind of got all right to run. He still finished third that day. I know he's 12, 12 and a half lengths behind Classical Dream, but uh, and then he also had a very poor run in France. So like to, like the run in France wouldn't turn me off at all. Like. I've said that before, an awful lot of horses just don't seem to enjoy it there. But last season was just, it was a complete write-off. You know, he, he was running through to trouble side of Burley and he fell. And then arguably he's the horse that's got closest to Honeysuckle, um, really. Mm-hmm. And he he arguably, under a brilliant ride from Keith Dunlew last season, could have actually got up. And then kind of after that then, the rest of the season, I don't think it should be underestimated how huge a run that was the last day behind Honeysuckle. Honeysuckle has stepped into another stratosphere now as a horse. You know, um, it's very, very hard to live with her. Like, if you compare that run with, I know Buzz has been excellent, but Buzz was was beating up Garage of Dreams and Song for Someone. Two very admirable horses, horses you'd adore to own, horses I'll never be able to afford to own. So I'm not knocking any of these horses. But when you compare the form of even Ronald Pump finishing half a length last season and eight lengths behind Honeysuckle this season, that form for me is way stronger. Um, Time Hill, he's the one that if he turns up Dean and he's more than good enough, I can completely see why he is the horse in the race. Usually, when you have a bullish opinion, I I go out of my way to kind of take it on, but uh, Time Hill, I I just can't really. So that's why I think uh, it just makes me more bullish, Emma. And actually, I'm becoming a bit of parody of myself on this podcast. That whenever <laughs> I fancy a horse, I just tell you it's definitely going to win. Then it yeah, yeah, yeah. I, try, but... I try to not talk about it again. From an each way bet, I think Ronald Pump is a cracking bet. I really do. I think the way he's ridden the way of everything, I think you're running through. He must be absolutely booking at home for Matthew Smith to be taking him over to Ascot rather than rather than running Leprous on at Christmas. So I'd say yep. that's a tip in itself in how well that horse must be that um to to miss Christmas now for this is kind of that's kind of very good placement. With the idea that I don't think Buzz is up to this kind of high level and that Time Hill might just come on for a little bit. Uh, champs on a complete retrieval mission he could be anything but i think he's going to be left with an awful lot to do and the rest of them as good as they are just aren't up to this i have this down between ronald pump and time hill and i just think as an each way bet to kind of nothing i think ronald pump is a great bet yeah see the angles in that 11 to 2 6 to 1 that kind of price around for ronald pump keith donahue of course good friend of uh, bookmakers.co.uk and the race hour podcast of course going over to ride that from Matthew Smith. Um, that is a fascinating entry. Maybe Matthew Smith is thinking, I'm just going to avoid the Irish horses because they're not as good the other side of the water. And he's making the sensible call at Darren. Yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a parrot in this podcast, uh, but uh, I'm going to actually go a little bit stronger than Dermot. I cannot understand that this horse is 6 to 1, 11 to 2. I really don't. I think the overall shape of its form is quite a bit stronger than the English horses. I don't know how he's twice the price of Time Hill. Um, Buzz, as, as Dermot correctly alludes to, uh, admirable type, unproven over the trip, though. Probably, he's a likely stare in my book. I'd be quite surprised if he doesn't stay. But again, the overall shape of his form is a good bit off what Ronald Pump has achieved, even in finishing third at Punchestown and second at Ferry House the last day. Mm. I really cannot make head nor tail of how this horse is 11 to 2, 6 to 1. As Dermot says there, it's an each way bet to nothing, and I will be back in them each way. But my God, I think it's an absolute gift. That's six to one. It'll be probably nearly up, near enough my biggest bet of the weekend, I'd say. Lovely. Confidence. Confidence in uh, Ronald Pump from two corners of this podcast. Blind faith from another corner of this <clears> podcast <throat> with me and Time Hill. So we need the uh, we need the actual expert to, to try and sift his way through <laughs> oh. this. And Simon, you're the only one left. <laughs> this is the hardest race of the whole weekend to solve because I, I, I went down the list and thought, 
question mark, question mark. I totally get where the boys are coming with Ronald Pump. Head and shoulders, he's the most consistent horse in the race. And the one thing's for certain, I've got written down Ronald Pump, admirable, probably second or third. And that's mm. where I stand. With I think he, he is, you know, he goes under the radar all the time. He does run his race all the time. He's got everything to suit. Buzz, I'm not convinced he's a stayer. He might well get it. I'm not convinced he'd want really soft ground, although he might stay in it. I'm all about prices and the, the current price. There's too many questions to answer. Um, I completely agree with the same because people will question that now because he won over two miles two on the flat, obviously. But I don't mm. think Buzz is... I think he's a two mile four horse. He wasn't flying at Aintree and he was chasing Abracadabra. No offence to Abracadabra. No, no, we no, all no, know Abracadabra yeah, yeah, is yeah. not the strongest of finishers. And he was helped with the loose horse, obviously, Abracadabra as well in front. But whilst Buzz all of a sudden... he came to the last and I, I backed him at Aintree and I thought he'd win. Jumping the last, I thought he's bound to pick up here and he's going to, you know, he's strong. And he didn't. And it just it may well have improved since then. He's obviously gone on the flat and done really well and he's looked a good horse this year. You're asking two to one against a field of decent stayers. I just can't, can't, couldn't back him at the price. Time Hill, I get that. I would worry about the fact that the trainer came out in the weekend. It's the fact he's on his mind that he said he wonders whether he's lost his whole season in France. I don't want to be hearing that from Philip Hobbs. He said he's working okay at home, but the fact that he's considered it would worry me. And again, it was a price- bizarre move to go over there. What part of the calendar came into there? I know there's so much money on offer. I think it was 140 grand for the winner for that race. So, all right, purely financial reasons, I get it. But when you've got a horse that you missed the stayers hurdle with last year, and that was the main target, and then you went and won at Aintree, Surely he just plopped backwards from the stairs. And I don't think a trip to Ortoy on the 6th of November was on their mind, although they could have landed a big pass. It was just money, Simon, wasn't it? I, I don't get it. Dean, you, you're spot on. I, I don't get it. I know Willie Mullins has, has historically taken some over there, but it's always been the end of the season. And, and maybe yes. they've, they've had the campaign in England and it, it's almost like nothing to lose. You've, you're starting afresh for the season. You've got the whole season ahead of you. It just seemed an odd, it just seemed a bizarre move. Champ... If this was his second run of the season, I'd fancy Champ. Mm-hmm. The, I think I read a stat somewhere. The, the winner of the long walk hasn't made their seasonal debut in the long walk this century. I, wow. think, I think so. That that's a huge stat for, for Champ to overcome. Plus, he's 1-20 to 20 to be pulling John Joe Neal's arms out all the way around the track. Every single time, first time out in the season. If you look at the form book, pulled hard, pulled hard, took keen hold. I think, like I say, I think... It, I, he would be the one I'd be interested almost in the stayers hurdle because if they went down that route, I think potentially he's in a in quite a weak year. He could offer some value and he might get a bigger price after the weekend if he if he bombs out for whatever reason. You yeah. can all hate me and you're gonna think I'm a complete crackpot. I think the, for purely value, I can totally see the each way Ronald Pump. Apart from that for value, it keep, I keep coming back to Paisley Park. And the reason why I come back to Paisley Park is two reasons. If you go back through his form, December 17, he won. December 18, he won. December 19, he won. December 20, he was withdrawn, but he won on the 29th of November. December 20, he won. He's won mm. December every year almost, with exception for the last five years. There's a massive excuse for his last run. They went too hard at the front. Everybody's turned around. All the jockeys came back in and said they'd gone too hard. They went to the well too early with him. Take that, that run out, admittedly, He'd need to come on for his first run of the season, but he wouldn't be nine to one. He'd be four or five to one shot. Yep. He acts well around Ascot. I think he's two from two around the track. Emma Lavelle continues to have her horses in decent form. I love the fact that um, there's a jockey change because 
for whatever reason, sometimes these jockey switches can work. Tom Bellamy is riding really well at the minute. I think if you're looking purely at value, I think nine to one Paisley Park is, is slightly insulting. For all that, I can see why people would back Ronald Pump each way. Do you think he yeah. got a poor ride the last day, Simon? They went, they, went, they went too hard. They, I don't know why, for whatever reason, you know, everything fell apart. The race completely fell apart. I think that Thomas Darby, I think the jockey said that he was almost thinking pulling up, he was out with the washing. And then two hurdles later, he's running away with it. Um, they just I was very him. surprised they did that with Paisley Park the last day. Really, really surprised. It, it felt like an overcorrection for me. First time cheek pieces and also to blast them out in front. It felt like, you know, they really over-egging the pudding. Do one or the other. Blast them off or put the cheek pieces on and ride them as normal. I thought it was very strange and I, I'd be inclined to agree that 10's a bit big, all right. I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree. The only, the only thing I can think of, potentially, possibly, he's always been a horse that takes a bit of riding and, and even when he's been winning these big races, he looks one of the first beaten off the bridle and he sort of grinds it out. I wonder if they wanted to give him a bit of confidence and let him try and bowl along in front and spend a long time in front as if that was going to mm. be helpful going forward. I don't know, but I do think the, at the prices, for a horse that's got absolutely everything in his favour, and he will have everything in his favour, he's got a track he likes, on ground he likes, at a time in the season where he always comes good, or normally always comes good, I just think he's overpriced. Yeah. Fair enough. And the addition of a tongue tie, the addition of Tom Bellamy, Aidan Coleman obviously be over um, looking to ride uh, John Bond and stuff like that. So, um, well, that's on Friday. John Bond, I think, is out. So, yeah, Tom Bellamy takes over for, for Emma Lavelle's Paisley Park and it's a big price. So, the, the lads, all of you, all th- three other corners of this pod going against me and uh, Time Hill, Ronald Pump and Paisley Park suggested each way value. And nobody likes Buzz, even though Darren. Um, you were a huge fan of it the last day, but it's it's the whatever race it's in that makes the difference, isn't it? And not for this one, Nico de Boinville will ride that. And uh, at the moment, it looks like it'd be favourite. But interesting to see what happens on the day. That's the 225 at Ascot. Uh, the 240 at Haydock is up next. Uh, Simon, I'll let you attack this one first. It's the Tommy Whittle race we always look forward to in the camp. Nearly always has a very competitive feel and a big field to it. Uh, Remastered looks like it's going to head the market here after that fourth. At um, Cheltenham, oh sorry, at Newbury behind Cloudy Glen in the Labrook, of course, with David Pipe and Tom Scudamore, and it's seven to one bar, the top one. I, you can see why he's favourite, can't you? I, I've no doubt. I know he fell a long way out, but I've no doubt he'd have won at Newbury. The problem you've got is he's carrying a bit of weight. He's it's he's off the same weight, that's the same mark. I think if you mm. put a gun to my head, you prob- probably would win, mm. but you're being asked to take quite a short price, and you never know. He's going back to the track. What he's going, you know, mentally, what state he'll be when he goes up to the first fence. I just thought I wouldn't have a necessarily have a bet in the race. I think if you're looking for value, I think the Sam Drinkwater horse, Buzz the Turquoise. Mm-hmm. I think at each way price, double figure price, it acts well on soft. This lad did nothing in front last time. He beat a fairly decent horse in Kaderin, but he travelled extremely well all the way around the track. He's still fairly young. He's lightly raced. He hit the front. He went four or five lengths clear in an instant and then his old ears came up and he did nothing. He, st- he stopped to almost nothing, scrambled over the line. They'll hold on to him for longer, I'd imagine. In a faster run race, you just don't know where he could end up. And I think rather than chance remastered at a at shorter price, although he may well win, I thought each way Buzzed to coin offers a bit of, bit of value for a trainer I really rate. Yeah, Sam Drinkwater, of course. Jack Tudor will take off a few pounds and... Uh... Gets in off 10 10 there, the seven year old Buzz the Turquoise. Uh, Darren, why don't you have a crack at this? Yeah, I actually think uh, there's a horse in here that's 
probably the most overpriced horse that's going to run this weekend in my book. Ooh, um, very surprised to see Encard or Encar. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. Uh, chalked up as big as fourteen to one here. He's only seven. Uh, he's kind of a little bit like Galahad Quest. Now he's obviously not as good. I don't think. Or I don't think he'll end up. Can't be. It's Galahad not. It's not, no, no, no. it's not possible, Darren. No. Similar. I more, more so mean a similar profile that he's already running in this, in this type of race, and he's only seven. Yeah. No kind of staying chases. I from the second he won his novice hurdle in Newcastle, I actually had him penciled in as potentially pretty smart and a likely contender for kind of Grand Nationals and stuff like that down the line. I've absolutely. Zero doubt in my mind, this horse is better than the mark of 128. He's obviously won at Haydock, or run well, sorry, at Haydock. Um, and I think at some point he's going to end up being, again, as I say, running the Nationals and stuff. At only seven, it's probably a year or two too early for him at this point. I think his, his comeback run at Exeter will have left him absolutely home. And 14s, I definitely want to be with him at, that, at those sort of prices. I'd have, I'd probably be happy enough to back him at H1 plus here. Um. I really, yeah, I, I, he, he's the one I'm going to end up siding with again, of course, from all the rest uh, to go with. Okay, Charlie Hammond aboard for Dr. Richard Newland on card, I'm going to call it on card. Yeah, I think that's where mm-hmm. I'm going to go with it. Uh, Dana, you are up. Uh, yeah, this is this is one hell of a race. Um, I absolutely love it. Remaster, he's very interesting. That was, that was one hell of a fall and kind of eclipse of clanges. He, he's very talented, but just kind of wondering how, how much in hand he has over his mark. So, look, I, I'm going to go with the old boy here, Vintage Clouds. I think he absolutely mm. loves, absolutely loves Haydock, loves his course and distance. Uh, he he won't be stopping. He's had his runs now to kind of warm himself up. He'll get his absolutely preferred heavy ground. And he's 11 years old now. So any thoughts of keeping a mark back maybe for Cheltenham or whatever, that's 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 completely not not there, obviously. And Sue Smith doesn't. She doesn't operate like that anyway. Um, I remember Paddy Aspel on this podcast before talking about Sue Smith's horses and the reason why they uh, they gallop and gallop so much is that they're, they're, they're trained on the Yorkshire Moors and obviously that being just so open there is why these horses just kind of don't stop as they get going I just have a sight in my head of this horse hitting the front four or five out and just kind of bounding clear of them so as good as they all are he's uh, I'd like to remaster that I expect to be much better than this mark I just would would be concerned about that that kind of last run um, so I'd have vintage clouds here Dean is an each way bet I just think he's he's proven and weight in races like this Dean do, does not concern me because uh, when a horse is has an aptitude for a serious test like this that is uh, that's preferable over everything else um, so he might be top weight and he's priced because of that but I just think his uh, absolute adoration of Haydock and that heavy ground will, uh, will be a tool in his armory that uh, many others won't have yeah Potentially sets the standard. There's vintage clouds. Ryan Mania for Sue Smith. Um, it's a double figures around. I had a horse for this, actually, and it, it won't surprise too many. I generally just uh, uh, tip the same ones over and over again until they come good, as I keep getting told. But AC Milan for um, Anthony Honeyball and Rex Dingle does catch my eye. I was very disappointed, to be honest, with the run behind Take Your Time at Foss Last, where nothing really went to plan at all. And it, I thought it was a very flat run. But that was just after... Um, the latest wind surgery that it's had. I do think there's a couple of good races in this horse off around uh, the 130s mark, and it's on 132. It's double-figure price. Um, there's snips in the form there uh, when it came back from a previous wind operation, actually, though it was very good, um, beating Smackwater Jack and then ran into the likes of, um, well, fell behind Royal Pagai, ran into Next Destination at Newbury, of course. I think they've got a better horse than the mark is uh, uh, eluding you to believe here. So AC Milan would be interesting me. Uh, um, a double figure price in this race and I think I can echo everybody here thinks Remastered has a good chance but you can't go getting stuck in at 3-1 to one in a Tommy Whipple not too often anyway for the pipes so that is the 240 at Haydock 
Uh, we move on to the three o'clock at Ascot. This is the Silver Cup handicap chase. And uh, Darren, to avoid you sounding like a parrot, you can go first. Uh, yeah, I, I reckon I, I might have slightly diverted from the two lads here. Uh, as boring and all as it is, it's actually quite hard to get away from Bellamy to pick on here. Um, former the last time, Smacks is square in the mouth, obviously, slow leopardesque. Gone in since, uh, Black Lion gone in since, a couple of the horses have run quite well. 92 Fab here, I think the handicapper's been fairly generous dropping him to 135 for his time off. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I am very much in favour of dropping horses while they stand in their box, especially if they're off for a while, but you know, they don't always do it. And, and, and a mark of 135 probably does underestimate his ability by a reasonable amount. He's had the full six weeks off as well. And it's one of my golden rules. If a horse runs well after a very particularly long layoff, I want them to have at least six weeks off to avoid that that dreaded uh, bounce factor. Um, so look, yeah, 92 fab in a race like this, it is quite boring. But with extra places, etc. on offer, I'm probably happy enough to, to take the 92 about Bellamy to pick on. Yep, it's Venetia's time of year, all right? A few of her good ones have been going in and going in spectacularly well. Charlie Deutsch will ride at the 10-year-old Bellamy de Pictons. Um, I was very keen on it um, last season a couple of times, actually, and obviously all that time off meant um, it didn't make the engagements. But it was being entered around the place, so I don't think it... Maybe it wasn't too bad. Um, now Bellamy de Pictons back in. Um, I definitely have it on the list. Now, Simon, I'm going to come to you on, next on this race. I know you're a big fan of Caribbean Boy, which was going to be my selection of the race, but I was hoping you could make a better case for it than I could. <sighs> what can I say? <laughs> I've really steered yeah. you the wrong way there, haven't no, I? God, I've, I'm still you're living, reliving nightmares of Cheltenham where I think it would have absolutely hosed up if it hadn't have been mm. yeah, hampered all the way around the track. Uh, <coughs> I, just, I just worry that Ascot may be too sharp for it. Pieces on to help that potentially. Yeah, and it and he, yeah. it wasn't a great run la- last time. No. There's lots of I think undoubtedly the, the potentially interesting horses. Jerry's back, but like the McManus horse earlier on, he's again all his best forms left-handed. He always clouts a fence or two on the way round, and he's been pulled out on really heavy ground before. So again, it was going. I was going through the list. I think the two I got down to were Anne Sam and Regal Encore. Okay. Um, the, the issue I have with Ansam, he looks like a chaser. He's a real big, strong type. Evan Williams does really well with these horses. All the dam's siblings, or sorry, all the, all of Ansam's siblings, all the dam's horses, they've all, or quite a few of them, have been decent over hurdles. There's a horse called Cortland's Prime, which was rated 116 over hurdles, ended up being a 96 chaser. Masani was 132 hurdler for David Pike. They ran it once in the novice chase, 8 to 11, beat 37 lengths, third of three. I worry about this jumping. It has fallen before. Admittedly, it's jumped around Ludlow, um, which mm. takes some getting. But I would always wonder and worry. If it jumps round, I think Ansan could be really well handicapped. I keep coming back to Regal Encore. When you run him as old as he is, when he runs in this race, he's won it twice. He loves Ascot. He's won four times around Ascot. He hates going left-handed. So that last run he had just completely disregard the form. I think he's ran 13 times and been placed once. He needs to go right-handed. He loves Ascot. He'll handle the ground. He's got everything in his favour. I, I thought his run a couple of runs back where he was staying on well at the finish was typical him. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't finish in the first three and he's a big enough price that you could back each way. It's almost a bet to nothing. The teenager that is Regal Encore does just continue to put it together at this track though, Fry. I can't disagree with that at all. And, and Sam, uh, given a big shout for Evan Williams and Adam Wedge. Um, Tamo, over to you. 
Yeah, I completely agree on Regal Anchor. I've gone through them all okay. and I can't get away from it. He's one pound higher than his last win as well. He's um, almost as old as you, Dana. Yeah, he's he's nearly drinking age, isn't he? Uh, and okay, the, uh, you know, he's uh, he's an absolute legend. I always find with these horses that it's a real pity, you know, that they don't put up like some some young sixteen-year-old jockey because that's always gas when the, the jockey's only like two or three years <laughs> older than the horse. But the um, but yeah, look, uh, he just has everything in his favour. As Simon said, I won't uh, wax lyrical any more than that. Um, Jerry's back, just like he said, would be it would really interest me. He will finish a race and he will win that race, but. Uh, when that happens is uh, is anyone's guess. So Regal Encore, um, Anthony Honeyball, whatever it is about his horses, they kind of um, Ascot is definitely where they where they flourish. And uh, Regal Encore, I say, I tell you, it's a good place to go out for drinks and dinners and lots of friends down there. So he just wants a winner when he gets down at Ascot and, and trains them accordingly. But That's like, a fair knack to get into the habit of um, Ascot winners when you want them. It's fairly he's, handy, isn't it? He's, he's yeah, got... it's a little bit different to doing it at Ludlow and stuff like that. Because <laughs> I guess that's true. Go on, got, Sorry, he's got two other things in his favour, which and you not the nail on the head, Dermo, the handicap. The hand, what, one thing the handicapper does seem to have done this year, he seems to be giving older horses a lot of a, a lot better chance. He's not raising them as much, and he's certainly dropping them quicker. The fact that Anthony Honeyball's running him here again and not going down the, the veterans route is, again, to me, is an inclination that he still thinks he's, he's got a fair amount of ability Mm. It just everything in the horse's favour. Yeah, absolutely everything. Yeah, looks like a home uh, a home match really for Regal Encore, where the others have to come and uh, and play in front of his own crowd. So that makes sense. Football analogy for you there, which is probably wasted. Um, let's go to uh, well, I was going to move to the next race, but actually before I do that, I want to just finish what I was saying about Caribbean Boy. I'm not convinced that um, Three Mile will be outside of the radar for Caribbean Boy. Pieces are on. And uh, I do think off one four five, if uh, gets clear around that doesn't get too upset with himself, which I think he can do. And he's been unfortunate in the past. I think he could outclass some of these. Um, I'd be interested to see how Daryl Jacob gets on uh, with Caribbean Boy around Ascot in that three o'clock. Okay, um, let's move on then to the three thirty-five. And um, we were talking. Yeah, I, I was going to come to you, Dermot. I have to come to you because uh, we're, we're talking about a horse that doesn't like hedges. Um, go on. Talk, talk to me about Benson. No Ordinary Joe is going to go a favourite for you. So actually crack and race this uh, Betfair Exchange Trophy. No Ordinary Joe, West Cork, Samarive. One more for the road. Goshen is in there trying handicapping. And uh, Handicapper dropped that £4, I think, for the last one, which um, you know maybe is a sign of things to come from that handicapper ahead of the festivals this season. Not sure, lad. And then you get to Benson, Dermo. Yeah, Benson's kind of like that mate in every group that everyone kind of looks at him and goes what the fuck are you doing here? You know, as in like, just, you know, kind of, no one really likes him, but he's there anyway. And the, uh, and just kind of people always wonder how he's here, who invited him and kind of what's going on. But look, he's there. So he's in my armory. I, I don't need to say much more than what I've said about this horse. Uh, he really annoyed me last time because he, he kind of had everything in his favor, but that's the second time that this horse coming to the last has tried to kick off his jockey. I, I've explained the first time about 20 times on this podcast when he was running in a serious race behind Cadis. Then they tried to kick off the horse on his hurdling debut at 661 when he was coming through mm. looking like he was going to win. And last time, again, like despite doing everything wrong throughout that race, Dean, he still finishes fourth. Like he's not that far lost behind. Lost the shoe him. as well, apparently. Yeah, lost the shoe and kicked, tried to kick Lee Edwards off at the last and still ran through. They're going to headgear, which makes the most sense of anything in the whole world. Um, this abusive relationship has to end one way or another. So either it uh, continues on, and he does, <laughs> he changes like he's he's promised me all these times, and he does uh, straighten himself out, or 
if he lets himself down, I am going to have to uh, to relinquish our uh, our future partnership. But uh, Benson at sixteen to one, Darren talked me into it before the podcast, so he's not parroting anything I said here. Darren, uh, Bent, Darren was the one who kind of put me back in order with him. I just think there's there's an awful lot left there in the mark. He's very talented, and the headgear might just straighten him up. So for the final time, Dean, I am tipping up Benson if he doesn't win on uh, Ben. Yeah, okay. Benson is the type of horse I think that doesn't lose shoes, just can't be bothered putting them on. I appreciate That's your hedges it. joke as well, by the way. That was yeah, yeah. Was I do team, every yeah. every time. I just hope it runs every week because it gives me more more uh, bad jokes <laughs> to tell. Um, Darren, instead of you know convincing Dem off there, um, and you've you've brought him to a point where he is, you can parrot away about Benson now. Yeah, as in, uh, look, it's 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 Dermot's. I don't know how many times he, I think there should be some sort of an anonymous set up for Dermot to, to to wean him off Benson. But I've never tipped. He needs before. he needs more than one phone number. I think there's, yeah, there's a few yeah, other ones. Yeah, I, I can recommend a few Dermot for your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever tipped the horse in the podcast before. But I actually am going to give him a bit of a flyer this weekend. I think the first time headgear can make a difference. The first time visor in this with this horse. Um, as as Dermot says, look, he, he kind of smacks you in the face the amount of ability that he has, uh, and I do think, yeah, as as you say, there's a bit of juice left in the mark as well. Another favourable aspect, I suppose, towards him is there does look to be a fair bit of pace on here. That's the way I I read the race anyway. Is in obviously Goshen is in here. That's that's pretty obvious. And then there's a few more in there that like to go forward as also the likes of kind of Global Citizen, Yandana Bolad, one more for the road, etc. So all in all. I just thought sixteen to one was maybe a small little bit big uh, in the first time visor. So it's probably the second doctor if Richard Newell Horse and Tiffin for this weekend, but I'm gonna give Benson a fair chance here. Benson gets another uh, nod there, all the headgear thrown on, hopefully four shoes and a big price to go with it. Um, oh, so it won't, won't be inconvenienced by the ground either, sorry. If it does turn up to be nope. quite soft at Ascot, it won't be inconvenienced by that. So whereas a few of these just might be. So That's he'll love it actually, about. yeah. No, the slower the slower everything goes, the more he'll get away with his uh his shoddy jumping no. at this. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? As well, it's around the low sun time, so they may just uh, skip the final flight, and you'll uh, you'll be in clover then as well. That'll really help. Uh, I was very impressed with your pronunciation of Land Dinabo Lad because I wouldn't know where to go with that. I thought it was some kind of Welsh pronunciation. Simon, um, are you, you going to run behind Benson? I would willingly sacrifice a, a winning bet to see Goshen and. Benson tackle it up at the running and, and now see you're talking up. my language this is <laughs> this is where this needs to go so let's I, let's see what happens right yeah. because we've got two two of the biggest uh, twices going for this so I, yeah I fancy a horse that I the more I look at him the more I think he's a flat track bully and the more I look at him I think he's overpriced and that's Tritonic I mm. think if you go back back through his form every track he's ended up winning over he's run well at Ascot a few times he won he ran really well at the um, Royal Ascot meeting when he was second here. He's won over hurdles at the track, but all his winning courses he's won at Kempton, Ascot, Newbury, they're all flat tracks. He's never going to be a, a Cheltenham horse as much as they try yeah. to turn him into a Cheltenham horse. He's gone down in the the ratings, obviously, from 147 to, I think, 142. I, I just think Adrian Heskin's riding out of his skin at the minute. He's riding at a 35% strike record and riding as well as any jockey out there at the minute. And Alan King's target this race before with, I think he won with a horse called Raya Star a few years back. He was certainly second with a horse called Lisp, which is a similar type to this yep. going into uh, the campaign. I went through and looking at the prices. And when I was pricing them up, I thought he was sort of seven, eight to one shot. He's 14s. It's too big. Too big for Tritonic or Tritonic, Alan King and Adrian Heskin. 
uh, only a four-year-old taking on uh, a few more seasoned campaigners in here. And no one's really even talked about the top of the market. I mean, No Ordinary Joe is, um, is definitely an up-and-comer for Nico De Boinville and Nicky Henderson. West Cork, of course, came out and won the big race just a few weeks ago for the Skeletons. Got one more for the road. who's going for a four-timer. This is a hot, hot race. But you know the hottest horse in here is? It's Goshen. And um, I don't know if he can if he can go and do this in handicap company, but I think it's a fascinating move uh, by the Moors to come in here. And he is double figures. And um, yeah, I can't wait to watch that. I can't necessarily put him up. The other horse I thought was fascinating and um, is definitely on the improve is Luttrell Lad, who ran in behind JPR1 uh, the last day at Exeter. They think a lot of that was well punted, although got beat um, since then. And behind Comprom before that, I think there's loads more upside in that five-year-old. But this race could be won by anything, and it wouldn't surprise me unless it was Benson. How's that? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Love that. Love that. Yeah, no, Reverse take. forecast. It has to be done now, obviously. Can I come back on again next week? Even I know I'm not here to be on, but can I come back on again next week if Benson wins? Uh, yeah, we'll get a voice note from you, Darren. We'll, yeah, yeah just send us yeah, send yeah. us in a voice note just going woo, 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 something like that that would be perfect yeah okay we've come to the we've come to the end of the races um for saturday and uh some decent stuff there we got through um some some very good races and some big price shouts fair play to everyone now it's nearly time where i come for um naps but before that anything else is allowed to be called out. i was going to call out a couple of horses that actually are running earlier on the ascot card that i thought were interesting ard mill might come over for gordon elliott in the opener uh, form figures will not inspire anyone, but the betting market might. Do keep an eye on that. Danny Wizbang is also in Ascot after um, not running so well in the Labbrook. I think there's definitely um, upside in Danny Wizbang when it gets his act together. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. And Adramel is out at Haydock. Um, fascinating to see what that can do um, after well, just going completely off the rails, really, from looking so promising uh, last year. Um, uh, Navin, there's the likes of American Michael Booselton. These are all good horses to be keeping an eye out but I think Ard Hill is the one that interests me the most for um, Gordon Elliott if that does pop up on the Ascot card early on Saturday so anything else from anyone else Demo you always have something uh, yeah the, uh, first of all the Friday card at Ascot is not bad as well uh, John, yep. John Bon is running uh, tomorrow yep. so uh, that's obviously extremely interesting uh, Nicky uh, being his usual aggressive self <laughs> with these horses, but he, uh, but he is with novice hurdlers anyway, and uh, it's great. Running to see on a racetrack, demo. What do you want? Uh, no, I'm, I'm being facetious. Uh, and the, uh, but yeah, no, and uh, <laughs> great to see Paul Paul Nichols with Nappers Hill up against him in LA Bell for Dan Skelton. So he won't have that all his own way. And then Dean mm. in the 255 at Ascot, the Howden mm. Noel novices chase. Picked Dory six to five. I'd love to take him on, but I don't have a clue what wit. But what I love is that the the, the fourth favourite there is, um, or the second outsider, is 50 ball. And in me, he is, uh, to me now, he's being handicapped in plain sight. And I love him. I love when, 50 ball. Yeah. And I think that they will get him down. He's on a mark of 133. And they can run him in this. He could fall down another few pounds. And I think that there is a 100% handicap chase somewhere in him of 133. His chasing has maybe let him down a small bit so far, but uh, I might have a kind of a small cover bet on him in the 255 on uh, on Friday, just in case. Because ability-wise, I don't think he's that far at all behind Pictori, Favor, or Gladiator Allen. So I think uh, at 11 to 1, he'll be worth covering. But I do have a, a sneaking suspicion that he's being handicapped in plain sight. But if not, he is definitely worth a bet. Bar that, no, Dean, kind of not much else. Um, so I'll move on to my nap. And my nap of the weekend is Guy in the 150 at Ascot on uh, on Saturday. Lovely. Guy is the nap. And keeping on 50 ball, I don't think it will be the day, Dermot, either. But there is a day. There yes. is going to be a day for 50 ball. Um, Darren, I come to you. 
Yeah, in terms of the weekend, just one little tidbit that uh, that's caught my eye, and that's a horse of Willie Mullins. It's called Braganza. Uh, might have slipped under the radar a small little bit. She won a mare's maiden hurdle in Thurless at the end of last month after pretty much four years off the track. Uh, she had been trained on the flat before that by um, by Ed Dunlop. She'd gone to Emmett, then came to Willie. She was sent off a big price by Sean O'Keefe, but dutifully won as she liked. And the sixth horse, in that, or the seventh horse, I beg your pardon, in that race, powerful out, has gone on to win since. First win over hurdle. So I wouldn't necessarily read the form, literally. Now, powerful out does reappose here Sunday. Braganza's not jocked up yet, but I just thought slightly of, of some interest in the mayor's listed hurdle um, in Thurless on Sunday returns to the scene of the crime. And then in terms of my nap, getting it very hard to split between Ancard and Ronald Pump. So I'm going to put up an each way double. That's uh, that's my nap at the weekend. It's very, very difficult to see both them completely out of the frame. Uh, so an each way double on Ancard and um, and Ronald Pump as my nap for the weekend. It's okay. We'll, we'll accept that. No problem. On card and Ronald Pump each way double for you. Now, Simon, a little bit more difficult for you because you can give me anything else that you liked over the weekend. I do need your nap of the weekend and I can't let you go without giving me at least one horse for Cheltenham that you're, uh, you have on the radar. <laughs> Makes it easy. Um, yep. Right. Racing over the weekend, like Dermo said, I'm looking forward to seeing John Bond tomorrow. I can't believe the price disparity between John Bon and Napa's Hill. Okay. Um, I was at Wing I was lucky enough to be at Wing Canton when Napa's Hill won at the time looked a, a Mickey Mouse race, but obviously Earth Company has since come out and won twice and that alone looks a really decent horse. I can't put into words when the horse came in what the stable staff were like with him. It was almost like it was they were treating him like a superstar. It was just something different. Even the the connections they had the second horse in the race and even the the girl leading up the second that you know the beam on the face just with the winner i think potentially napa's hill could be very very good and whilst john bond could be good i think the media gets a very high overhyped with certain horses and everybody's gone john bond crazy and it means napa's hills last i looked was like four nine four to one nine to two yep it looks a big price um to at least give give john bond a race there's a horse running at Newcastle in the last race. It's worth keeping an eye out. A horse called Trolley Boy. It's a bumper trained by Ed Bethel. He's flatbred, but he was second on his um, debut in a market raising bumper. The winner is a horse called Poetic Music. Won a bumper under a penalty, which is always obviously hard to do. The third horse was Le Field de Force. That came out and won at Doncaster. Reopposes on uh, Saturday, worse at the weights. And the fifth was a horse called Decorated, which won a Hereford bumper. That bumper, for whatever reason, is really working out. So he's definitely one to keep an eye out. I've no idea what price the horse will be. First, last time ever on this podcast. Can I have a nap at Lingfield? Oh, <laughs> because, right. And I would never normally do it, but... You can, think, as long as it wins. How's that? Absolutely. Okay. And no, absolutely. Okay. And I was going through, looking at all these horses, thinking I fancy so many over the jumps. I cannot see Felix getting beaten in the correct stakes. The two o'clock, I think it is, at Lingfield on Saturday... The horse yep. is a, a Lingfield specialist. It should have beaten Par Driver last time. For those flat listeners listening, obviously Par Driver, they went to Hong Kong, ran a blinder over there. Felix should definitely have beaten it. The favourite potentially in the race could be Regal Reality, which is the highest rated in the race. Siblings of that never do well at Lingfield. The third, um, a Garden Paradise, is a filly in the race. That won last time at Kempton and won really well, but she may have beaten a, a, a horse that doesn't act as well on, on dirt. 
I just think Felix will probably be about seven to two, four to one. If it's around that price, they've changed the jockey, Andrea Atzini rides. I will never mention flat racing again. Felix, I think, will win the two o'clock at Lingfield. Chalked up at nine four so far. Is, it, is that uh, all it is? No. Is it, is it in, in the nine to four? Yeah, well, that's only, it's only there's only one firm priced up. No one else has priced it up yet, but nine to four first show. Right. After I, Darren's done, it'll be five to four. With... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're giving me a big ego there, Darren. <laughs> right. They'll talk about right. up at 11 to four, I think, if I was to go in, but go on, sorry. Yeah, you go in now and we'll all get a price in a little while. How's yeah. That? Um, yeah, okay, Fry, you were Sorry, going we... so well until you went there, yeah. to be honest. Okay, I'll, I'll finish at Cheltenham then, just because, yes, obviously, to try and get... I've, no, I, I've, we've mentioned horses, obviously, before. I've been really impressed with Blazing Cow. That one, mm. But knowing winners of the Albert Bartlett, and they're normally a million to one, and they're normally quite unexposed and haven't won a race. So that would put me off that because he's so short in the market. I'd be interested if Holly turns up in the Mayor's Novice. Nice. I presume she's quali- qualified for that, but I couldn't see her in the market when I last looked. I think she's very good. A couple of real long shots. There's a horse of Gary Moore's. Um, I've no idea if it ever end up at Cheltenham. It would definitely be a really good horse called Shall We Have One More? Mm-hmm. It won its bumper at Kempton last season. Um, I think it beat a horse of Nicky Henderson's called Walking On Air. And all the dogs were barking that couldn't possibly lose. I saw somewhere where Nico de Boinville shot in the straight, went sort of 3-4 clear and thought, I'm going to win this by however many lengths. This thing poured up alongside it and flew past it. And he couldn't believe, he thought must have been some tall. The horse is a real, real good horse. The Moors get the odd one, as they did obviously with Goshen. He made his, his hurdling debut and everything went wrong. He pulled from the minute the tapes went up to they crossed the line and he still jumped the last hurdle in front and up to about 100 yards from the post, still looked like he was going to win. That horse has a serious engine. I would be expected it could win its novice, probably win another novice, and it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up in one of these novice races at Cheltenham Festival, and it could be any price. The other horse I'd be really mad keen on, and again, I don't know even if they've considered it, Kitty's Light was such a progressive horse last year. He's still really young. It looks like he's almost reached the ceiling now. He's, he's been campaigned this, this year a few times and, and fallen quite a long way short. The trainer seems to target the, or seems to like the cross-country course. And I would mm. love Kitty's Light to be given a, a pop around there because he looks the ideal type. They go a slow pace. He'd be able to find his feet and jump. So they're the two or with Holly. I'd be interested in all three if they were declared a bit nearer the time prices came out. And give you an indication they were going there. I'd be interested in all three. Holly, shall we have one more in Kitty's Light? All on the Cheltenham radar from Fryboy, of course, the resident tipster on bookmakers.co.uk. Do check him out every day on there. By the weekends when the race hour crowd take over and then you can probably just have uh, a couple of days off and wait for him to come back on Monday. Um, all right, my nap obviously is Time Hill. Didn't need a big summary uh, from me to go through that. And I called out a couple of other ones for the weekend. It's been an absolute pleasure to have Darren Hughes, Simon Holden, Fryboy, of course, and Dermot Nolan on the race hour podcast this week. Um, do check us out uh, next week. We'll be back. But for now, we'll leave you alone. Best of luck this weekend. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.